a favor, turn to your neighbor, tell them, are you battle ready? Thank you. Turn to your other neighbor, tell them, I'm battle ready. I am battle ready. Hey, we just want to say welcome to Pearlside Church, and we want to say for every person here, you're not here by accident. God has an amazing plan and purpose for your life. And our heart at ProSide is to see everyone encounter this amazing God that we love, that we serve on this side of eternity and live really the rest of our life just in his presence, in his goodness, and proclaiming the gospel with our life, with our words, with our actions, everywhere that we are and everywhere that we go. And I just need to say that is so important, absolutely so important. You know, we don't need to talk about it too much on the front end of tonight's message. We know the things that are going on in the world. We know the things that are happening in Israel. We've heard the news. We've seen the images. We've saw, saw the videos. And many of us, we're wrestling with our emotions. We're wrestling with our feelings. We're wrestling with what is our call to action? What are we supposed to do? Where is my place in all of this? What does that mean for us all the way here in Hawaii? We begin to wrestle and wonder, what, is, what can we really do? And I think it's so fitting that we are in a series called Battle Ready. This was not planned, obviously. We knew we were going to be entering into this series. And we knew that it would be an important time for us to talk about the armor of God and what it means to be clothed in the armor of God and living in the armor of God and also be able to live with that armor of God and just really the word and his truth and his presence. Because as we've mentioned, we live in a day and age where things are so unpredictable, so volatile, so unique. And really what the answer is, and we'll talk about it tonight, and we'll continue to talk about it throughout this series, is the things that we can do as believers in Christ followers is to continue to pray that God would heal this world and his love would be shared in this world that desperately needs him. That's what God can do. But there's also this responsibility on us as believers, as those that have encountered and experienced the goodness of God, that have received his grace and his love and his mercy, to share that love, grace, and mercy in our lives everywhere that we go, because that is the only thing that is going to change the circumstances and situations of people's lives in this world. We can try to hold on to all of these constructs in society and in our world and find the answer in those things. And we see time and time again how those things fail. But when we hold on to God and his promises and when we clothe ourselves in his righteousness, his grace and mercy, a.k.a. his armor, there's amazing things that we can do as the church. And the church, again, is not the building. It is his people. It is every single one of us, which means we have a responsibility to pray and proclaim the goodness of God in our life. See, the things happening in our world, but what about the things that we're experiencing and witnessing in our neighbor's? on our campuses, in our working places. There's battles happening everywhere. We have the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. And our prayer as a church, but I know that this is the prayer all around the world, is that the church would rise up in such a dark and dire time to be the light of Christ, to be his hands and feet, to be his mouth, to be his ears and his eyes. We absolutely need that. And tonight we're going to continue on focusing on Ephesians 6 and the battle armor of God. We're going to look at specific passages and we're going to build off of it week to week. But I think it's so important for all of us to just lock in and be engaged because this is a time that we were born for. We were called for such a time as this. Amen. And I know for a fact that God wants to reveal his goodness to every single one of us so that when we leave here, 
change and transform, when we get up every single day, change and transform because of his goodness, that we would accomplish the things that he has for us to do on this earth because this earth desperately needs Jesus. Amen. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, specifically Ephesians 6, 13 to 17. We're going to read it in a bit, but we're going to be talking about three specific things that the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus on in terms of battle armor. Everyone say battle armor. Three specific things. We're going to see some pictures on screen. We're going to be talking about the belt of truth. There you go. We're going to be talking about the breastplate of righteousness. And lastly, we're going to be talking about the gospel of peace. And the reason why, and you can kind of like liken that to like the footwear that the Roman soldiers were using at the time. But this is why this is significant. Because the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus and trying to frame the times that they're in. They're going to face battles. They're going to face spiritual warfare. They're going to literally suffer for their faith. And he is framing a time for them to be battle ready. And the way that he talks to them about who God is and what God can do for them is to liken the same kind of armor that soldiers would wear, the Roman soldiers would wear at the time with the spiritual armor that the believers at the time are, all supposed, are supposed to wear. And it's not just the physical things, although there's a lot of illustration and comparison. What he is talking about is the spiritual things. It is the God things. It is the Jesus things. It is the Holy Spirit things that the believers at the time had to choose to put on themselves so that they could get up every single day knowing that they would face hardship and trial and stand firm in their faith. This is the Apostle Paul calling the church to rise up and face battles. And I believe God wants to reveal that to every single one of us tonight. We're all facing something, amen? We're all here because we're desperate for something, amen? We're all here because we know that God is faithful. And even for the ones that we wrestle with that, is God faithful or not? We're here because God led us here, and he wants to reveal his faithfulness to us tonight. So I'm going to read us Ephesians 6, 13 to 17. We're going to break this down, and I know that God is going to reveal his goodness tonight. Let's read on. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we invite your spirit and presence to this place. There's been so many times, I think many of us, myself included, we've grown weary. We have felt faint of heart. We have seen our faith waver. But as we see in your word, your living word, you called us from the beginning of time to stand our ground and to be confident in the faith that we profess, that we would clothe ourselves in your armor, your grace, your love, and your mercy. So Lord, may you do that very thing tonight. May you bring a posture of confidence and security in every single one of us that whatever we may face on this side of eternity, it will be met with your protection, your guidance, your guidance, and your kindness along the way. God, we thank you for every person here. No one here is here by accident. So may you make a general word become so personal to every single one of us. May you take a general word and make it a conviction that we live by. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. 
Ephesians 6, 13 to 17, this is in your notes. I'm going to read us our three points together because we're going to learn from the word of God tonight. Ephesians 6, 13 to 17 teaches us the following about the armor of God. Number one, the armor of God promises us the truth in a world full of lies. Number two, the armor of God promises peace as we battle against Satan's attacks. And lastly, number three, the armor of God promises that we will overcome sin and death. Going back to point number one, the armor of God promises us the truth in a world full of lies. Verses 13 to 14. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place. The origin of truth is God. The origin of lies, deception, and sin is Satan himself. And Satan's sole goal in his existence is to destroy everything good that God has made. And the good things that God has made is us, our lives, our breath, our heartbeats. Everything that we have that God has given us is good, which is why there's a very real enemy out there that wants to destroy those very things. And I read this passage and I was pondering it and it says, when the day of evil comes, I kind of like had to take a step back when I was preparing and, and reading this word. I'm like, oh my God, the day of evil is like every single day here on earth. Like think about it. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic, okay? Like I'm generally a really jolly guy. I like to laugh. I like to eat sweets, you know, all that good stuff, okay? But here's the reality of life is every single day is the day of evil that, the, that Satan himself wants to send us. So this passage, yes, there's going to be a day where things might be harder, things may get worse, the real battle that Revelation talks about may come to pass in our lifetime, but the reality of living in a fallen world is every single day is a battle, which means we need to put on the armor of God every single day. The belt of truth. What do belts do? It holds our pants in position. Amen? It's kind of strange. I'm not actually not wearing a belt, so pray for me, okay? But here's the thing. If the belt of truth is called us to hold our faith in place, shouldn't we carry it with us into battle every single day? The breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness of God that was placed on us in exchange of our unrighteousness. His righteousness is what protects the vital parts of who we are, not just our hearts, not just our organs, as the Roman soldiers used the armor for, but in the supernatural, in the spiritual, in our soul. That's what the breastplate of God's righteousness does. It protects what the enemy would want to destroy, which is our soul, the essence of who we are. That's why we're battling in our minds, in our spirit, in our bodies every single day. That's why the enemy is looking for cracks and crevices in our lives to find a way in through sin, through our anger, our pride, our greed, our this and that. But guess what? In Christ, he covers all of those things. So the breastplate of righteousness is what we enter into battle with, his truth, his righteousness, and lastly, his peace, God's peace. We're going to break down those three things a little bit more, but man, like the world that we live in, but with truth, righteousness, and peace. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling the church in Ephesus they can have. And in 2023, with everything going on, God is saying, son and daughter, 
you can have those very things as well. We can have those things. And there's a purpose for those things in our life. Man, John 8, 31 to 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And let's say this together. One, two, three. The truth will set you free. Again, the origin of truth is God. The origin of deception and lies is Satan. We live in a fallen world. And it's the truth and righteousness and the peace of God that will allow us to live in a fallen world and have purpose and meaning and get up every single day with joy and expectation that God is going to do something radically awesome and amazing. Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and just clap. Just clap. Clap at them. The good kind clap. Clap at your neighbor. Clap at them. Turn to your other neighbor. Yeah, you can cheer for them too. Clap for them. I made, made some of you guys feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry. But here's the crazy thing, okay? Again, I'm pondering on this message. I'm pondering on the word. And when I look back on when I really felt there was just this inflection point in our world where things were getting very real really fast. That was in 2020 when the pandemic hit, Okay. And I'm going to read you folks what I wrote down in my devotions and my journals of just the things that I have faced, both on a global level, as well as a personal level, in a national level, as well as a local level, just in the course of the last four years. And some of this, you experienced it as well. Some of these things you didn't personally experience, but there were other things that you faced. This has been my last three years. I'm just going to read you the things that I wrote down that I've experienced the enemy's attack, but also the faithfulness of God through. The COVID-19 pandemic, when the world was in lockdown, social and racial injustices, canceled trips, conferences, and moments I was looking forward to, vaccination controversy, political and election controversy, financial downturns and instability, my mom's battle with cancer, ups and downs of life, marriage, and parenting, becoming a parent in an uncertain time, natural disasters devastating our world, the war in Ukraine, my auntie passing away, friends and family battling through hardship and loss of life, Maui wildfires, and now the things that are going on in Israel. Just three and a half years worth of time, four if that. The reason why I asked us to clap for one another wasn't to just be facetious and make introverts uncomfortable. The fact that we're here today actually matters because, man, we've been through some stuff. Yeah? We have been through some stuff. And I just want to say before we move on to point two, that the only reason why, as a 34-year-old, 20 years following Jesus, that I can stand today professing his goodness and kindness is because over the last three and a half years and over the 20 years that I followed Christ in the ups and downs and the everything in between, the ebbs and flows of a fallen world, but a God who remains good, I have found Jesus in all of these moments and he has allowed me to experience the armor of God through his truth, through his righteousness, by his peace. And I stand today knowing that God is very good because he has got me through a lot of hard times. And I know for a fact he's gotten many of us through a lot of hard times and he will continue to get us through many more hard times to come because this is 
use his word over our life. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to yell for another 20 minutes, okay? This is what I do. But this is the reality of our world, but also the reality of our God, who isn't going to allow us to experience the hardship of this world without him. He wants to be with us, and he wants to do great things through us. But the choice is, will we clothe ourselves in his armor, his truth, his righteousness, and in his peace? Because if we do, God can still do great things. And he wants to use his church, not just our church, and I love our church, but he wants to use the global church all around the world to bring the one thing that will answer all of the problems our world faces, and that's his son, Jesus. That is our responsibility as a church. Not to pick sides, not to post on social media our opinions, not to carry a banner about a political party or an answer that we think is going to work. Our roles as believers is to carry the banner of Christ everywhere that we go. Because it's the only thing that we have and the best thing that we can give. We are called for such a time as this. Your parents, your family members, your friends, your classmates, your co-workers who are going through the battle of their mind, body, and soul need the answers that we have. Because the enemy would want to paralyze them and cause them to give up. Maybe even on their life. We've all been there. But again, just over the last three and a half years, we made it. And we will continue to make it. Because that's just God's plan for his people. Amen. Amen. Number two, the armor of God promises peace as we battle against Satan's attacks. Verses 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I have used this illustration a couple times, but I will continue to use it because I feel like it's fun, interactive. Thank you, Vian. And it proves a point. This is... This is, oh my God, my voice, inflection. Okay, this is a water bottle. This is what the enemy would want our spiritual life to be like. Empty on the inside, so that when the pressures of the world that we will face, again, on a global, national, local, or the most personal, personal, whatever we may face, the enemy would want to do this, which is why he wants us to live our lives separate from God. He wants us to live empty with no living water in us and no protection around us so that when the enemy could come and sneak himself in, he can crush us. This is the enemy's goal for our lives, to crush us. This is a Yeti or a Hydro Flask. It's not a Stanley. Sorry, okay? This is a Hydro Flask. I broke my other one the last time I did this. It's indestructible. I can try to squeeze it. I can try to bang it on this stage. I can tell my hydroflask, do you know what is happening in this world today? Be ready to be crushed. Will this hydroflask give in to the pressures of this world? No, because there's something about it, at least with my ability, that makes it indestructible. It cannot be crushed like that empty plastic bottle. And even though this is like such a poor way of exemplifying what God wants to do, I think it proves a point for us that this is how our lives can be like with the armor of God. When we're strong with his living word in us and we're protected by his living word around us, that no matter what we may face here on earth, we will not be crushed. 
Because our God is good. And he's protecting us from the inside out. The church in Ephesus, all of the churches at the time, you know why the Apostle Paul told them to battle up? Was because they could die for their faith. They could die because they love Jesus. They could be put to the sword, put to the fire, put to death. And he said, ah, at the end of the day, this is what Jesus did. Clothe yourself in the armor and battle on. Turn to neighbor, tell them, battle on. I'm going to recycle that bottle later. Okay. I just want to share some praise reports, okay? Because we talked about some kind of heavy things earlier. And this is how I know. Like, you know when you have the peace of Christ that can rule in our hearts, that has territory, that has dominion, that has reverence, that means that that anxiety and worry that we could feel in a moment under the lordship of God and with the trust of God, it allows us to have peace while we're in this unpredictable and fallen world. And you know why that's important is because as Christians and believers, our hope isn't in the things of this world. It's in the hope of what Jesus did on the cross, conquering sin and death, so that we could have hope in this world, but also in the hope to come of eternity in heaven, where everything will be as God had intended it to be. Like, we need to have that perspective. That God has given us faith and favor here, so that we can have faith and favor there. And our role here on earth is to share that faith with people around us. And that's why I think hearing just the amazing praise reports happening in your life of what God is doing in and through you, with your family members, friends, and loved ones, and coworkers, and classmates that you're reaching is so important. Because those are the things that make what we go through worth it. When we see the move of God in people's lives and we get to be part of it. Don't just wait for the pastor or small group leader or someone else to change someone's life. You have the opportunity and the answer right now to do it. And I am so proud of our church and the churches all around the world that are calling people for such a time as this to simply do that. Pray for the world and share the love of God with people around them. Just some praise reports for you that I am like just personally stoked by. There's a new, you know, like when we tell you fill out the next step card, someone from our church is going to follow up with you, help you get connected into the growth track in a small group. Guess what? When you fill it out, we do, okay? We follow up with you because you matter to us. And I received the next step card from this, uh, this guy, and his name is Riley. And when we were, on, we were on the phone call, and we were talking about growth track and why he wants to start to follow Jesus, and like he's ready to commit his life to God and all of that great stuff, it was awesome. We were like high-fiving through the phone. I was like, yeah, bro, that's awesome. He was like, yeah, bro, that's awesome too. I'm like, oh, my God, everything is awesome. And in the last couple minutes, I already could tell, like, there was something else he wanted to talk about. And right after I finished praying, he's like, hey, can I ask you to pray for someone else? I'm like, absolutely. Who can we pray for? And he's like, I want to pray for my grandmother. Because my grandmother, who is 88 years old and has been an integral part of my life, is in the hospital right now. And she is battling for her life. And the prognosis does not look good. And I asked him, does your, does your grandmother know Jesus? And he was like, I, I, I think so, but I don't know for sure. And this is what I told him. I was like, are you going to see your grandmother later today? And he's like, yes, actually, after this phone call, I'm going to go to the hospital. I was like, you're going to lead your grandmother to Jesus. I'm going to text you the salvation prayer that we pray, in at, or we pray at service, and I want you to go share and lead your grandmother through the salvation prayer at the hospital. And he was like, I'm down to do that, but I don't know if she can even hear or speak. 
And I was like, we need to believe in faith. So you're going to talk to your grandmother. And all, if, if, it just, if you can just ask her to squeeze your hand every time you read a line. To acknowledge that she's understanding what she's saying. Not just vocally, but here in her soul. We'll take that. And we're going to believe in that. Right? So this is just like the first conversation I have with this guy. Shot him the text message. He gave it a thumbs up. I was all like, yes, let's go. And the next day at small group. So he also came to small group. And, you know, we had our small group. It was a great small group. And at the very end of group, you know, before we all left, I asked him, hey, how did it go with your grandmother? And, like, he's actually really tall. He's, like, 6'2", by the way. So it was just kind of interesting because our group kind of tall, but mostly not. Like, we're kind of looking up to this guy. And, like, this beaming smile came up on his face. And he's like, every time I read a line, my grandma squeezed my hand. And I believe in faith that my grandmother will be in heaven. And I will see her again one day. And you know what we did as a small group? We all <laughs> proceeded to cry. And we laid hands and we prayed some more. That's a praise report. Amen? <laughs> Tell you another one. I've been following Jesus for 20 years. And I've been praying for my family to come to know Christ. Okay? It's been a long 20 years. And some of my family members have come to know Jesus over the course of like the 20 years that I've been praying and believing, but sometimes people coming to know Christ takes time. And just over the last six months, one of my cousins just was going through a hard time, and I just asked her, I was like, hey, would you ever want to come to church? Because I already knew God was moving in her life. She was posting things and sharing things on her social media that I knew God was after her and was meeting her and loving on her and carrying her through the hardships that she was going through. And fast, like to make a long story short, a few months later, like this past Monday, I'm in the driving or in the parking lot. I was supposed to get Chantel uh, cotton candy ice cream at the Evo Beach uh, Baskin Robbins. And I ended up being almost 40 minutes late with the ice cream. And it's because my cousin called me. And her simple question to me over the phone was, how do you lead someone to Christ when they've gone through trauma and trial that would prevent them from thinking he's good? And for the 40 minutes I was in that parking lot, we talked, we prayed, we believed that God would use my cousin to reach the person that was placed on her heart to reach by God. And I had to step back and I'm like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation because I was like, I don't even know who this person is. Like just a few months ago, she would not be saying this, thinking about this and talking about that. But she went to the growth track. She joined a small group. She opened her heart to be clothed by the armor of God, and now God is using her to do damage for the kingdom in our family. That's some praise reports. And one last praise report before we close things out tonight with our final point. Our church is about the next generation. Many of you guys know that. That's why they have young people like me wear snapbacks and still preach on a Sunday night, okay? Like, that's just what our church believes in. I came as a 15-year-old in high school, and one of the convictions that I have as a 34-year-old today is that reaching the next generation is the most important thing that the church can do aside from loving God and making disciples. It's making sure that discipleship doesn't end in the church but continues on through the lives of the young people that come up through the ranks. And many of you know this. Like you're, These are your kids. These are your grandkids. These are your nieces. These are your nephews. These are the players that you coach. You're the students that you teach. And just like last week, Okay, we had like this homecoming service. And this might not sound like a lot to you, but to me and the rest of the team that was there that just got to participate 
we saw 125 high schoolers and middle schoolers down there in the yacht where we were sweating and dehydrated, jumping up and down, worshiping God, sweaty, eating popcorn and other things. That was awesome. Because during this season of COVID, the last three and a half years, if you talk to anyone in our staff, one of the things that we saw the enemy try to take away from us was our next generation. We saw services grow smaller and smaller. Small groups on campus disappear. Young people no longer follow Christ because of this weird season that they've been through. But somehow, in God's faithfulness and goodness, and a church that would just say, I believe enough to trust that God can still reach and touch the next generation. Many of them have come back. The kids' church students that were fourth and fifth graders at the beginning of COVID are now the seventh and eighth graders of our youth ministry, reaching their campus, their teachers, their siblings, changing the campus and changing the world, leading prayer, doing the welcome, probably preaching pretty soon too. And guess what? They have childlike faith that will far surpass any of us. And we are committed to seeing that happen. And that's just not like our next-gen high school and middle schoolers. You're the college and young adults that are here right now. The things that are happening on the University of Hawaii and Tokai University and UH West Oahu, you are part of history in the making. And we are so humbled to know that by God providing the church, again, not the building, but the people, peace in a season of hardship, we could still see God changed the lives of young people so that they could one day stand on our shoulders, raise up the next generation coming up after them, and lead the church and God's people in whatever uncharted things they may face and witness, but convinced that the armor of God, his truth, his righteousness, and his peace will lead them wherever God will call them to go. Amen? And if we can see that in the youth, if we can see that in our peers, if we can see that in our family, and these are just three stories that I had time to share. If you get to talk about the stories happening in the church of God, even the things happening in Israel right now, places around the world right now, you would be floored and amazed. We just have to turn off the noise of our social media and the news and open up our word and just try to let God be God. Man, the places he would lead us and the people he would call us to reach and the miracle signs and wonders we would experience is coming. It's absolutely coming. Slap your neighbor on the shoulder. Tell them, God is good. John 16, 33. Again, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Again, talking about peace. This is Jesus talking to his disciples before he is basically going to be crucified and before he leaves them in that moment. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Everyone say peace. You may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. And I love this line. But then Jesus says, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And he proved that to them when he conquered sin and death in the grave. And he's proving that every single day through our lives right now as we speak, as we breathe, and as we exist and as we live, he is proving himself faithful that he has allowed us to take heart and overcome the hardships of this world because he first did. And minus Judas, but 12 of the other 11 disciples died for their faith that they professed in Jesus. And the reason why they were willing to die for their faith was because they knew that it was the most important thing that they had 
the most important thing that they could give to others, and the most important thing that would lead them to eternity, as Christ overcame, so would they. No matter what we may face here on earth, the highs, the lows, the everything in between, the ebbs and flows and everything in between, if we can just take heart in Jesus' words, we can have confidence that as we love God and love people, share the gospel and make disciples, allow his miracle signs and wonders to come out of our lives on earth, that we would overcome the world one day too, enter in eternity, and experience what heaven was supposed to be like when he first created this world. Last point in your notes. The armor of God promises that we will overcome. Everyone say overcome. The armor of God promises that we will overcome sin and death. Verses 16 and 17, we're going to actually be talking about more of this particular or these two particular verses next week. But for the sake of tonight, closing out this passage, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Are we convinced? Are we convinced that this is the best thing that we can do on this side of eternity? Love God, love people, share the gospel, and make disciples. Like, are we convinced? Because when we turn on our social media, something will tell us that's not that important. When we get into our cars and we hit traffic, something will tell us that's not necessary. When we face people that give us hard times and struggles, when they're the very ones that God has called us to reach, someone will tell us that they're not worthy of your time. For every truth that the Bible declares is a very real voice of the enemy that will tell us it's not necessary, not important, you don't have time, they're far beyond your, your, your prayers, they're, they're, there's nothing that you can do to change them. There's nothing you can do to change your campus, your working place, your marriage, your relationships, your kids, your spouse, your siblings. There's nothing you can do. And that is an absolute lie. And that's coming from Satan himself. So when push comes to shove, are we going to carry the calling of God? Are we going to fight with his sword and his shield? Or are we just going to let the enemy have his way? Because I'm telling you, today, tonight, in this moment of time, we can participate in God's good work to redeem this world one life at a time. And guess what? He can even use this small church out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean to reach nations. Amen? I'm going to share us three videos. And then we'll close this time in prayer and some worship. And we'll let just God be God. But Pastor uh, Billy Lyle, Pastor Norman Nakanishi, Pastor Paris Hayashi... They went to our world conference in South Africa recently. And there, there were 71. Everyone say 71. There were 71 countries represented at this world conference. And we're going to listen to them sing praise and worship and glory to God. Some of these nations being actual enemies in the economy of the world, but friends in the economy of Christ. Take a look at this video. May it move your heart.
got two more videos, actually. Last week, we had a prayer time, extended worship and prayer after service. And as we closed the night, we prayed for our world. And we had two members of our church come up and pray in their native language. The first one was Ayu, who prayed in Japanese. And after that was Juan, who prayed in Spanish. We're going to watch these two videos. This happened right here. They weren't talking pigeon, mok, Hawaiian, whatever, English. They were praying in Japanese and Spanish right here at our service, right here in the middle of the Pacific Ocean in a church out in Hawaii. Take a look at this. Reconociendo que tú eres el Dios Todopoderoso, reconociendo que tú eres un Dios que nos cuida, que nos ama, que nos guía y que nos llena día a día de bendiciones. Te damos las gracias, Señor, porque sabemos, Padre, que tú estás aquí. We give God some praise. Everything happening in our world today. All of the division. All of the animosity. All of the vitality. Everything. The answer is right before our eyes. Happening right now in our world. People of all nations, all languages, all backgrounds and demographics of different countries and different nations and different places and spaces. Worshipping a God who loves them in a community of God's people who loves them as well. And you know why this is significant? Because this is a glimpse in our fallen and broken world. This is a glimpse of what heaven will be like. When people of all nations and all tribes and all tongues would spend all of eternity living life in heaven, but worshiping and praising God. If that doesn't move us, I don't know what will. Because that is the only thing that will solve all of the problems happening in Europe and the Middle East and Africa and Asia and here in Hawaii and here in the United States and wherever you want to be in the world, even Antarctica. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that unites, that brings together, that envelops, that clothes in truth and righteousness, in love and grace. And no matter what nation, he can do it there. No matter what place, he can do it there. No matter what person, he can reach them there. Because that is exactly why Jesus came to this world. To save this world and each individual in it from eternal separation from him so that they could have eternal life and eternal community, eternal unity in the kingdom, in heaven. We will be there one day. We will be worshiping like that one day. But until then, what are we gonna do today? When we leave this place, who are the people? The nation, AKA your neighbor, the country, AKA your working place, the city, a.k.a. your home. Your neighbor, a.k.a. your sibling. 
that you are supposed to sing and exemplify and share the goodness of God with so that they too can pray and sing and worship a God who wants to meet them. That is the answer to this world. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to read us a passage out of Romans 8, 31 to 39 before we go back into a time of worship. And I pray, my prayer is this passage, although long, would bring this message together and center and focus our hearts on Jesus. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, I share this all the time. When I read this passage, let God give you visions, show you what this passage would look like in real life, that he would personalize this passage to you and give you a framework of worship and praise just in a little bit. But may we meet God in this passage. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword is it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. God, we pray that your word would come alive tonight. We humbly ask that we would allow your word to penetrate the barriers that we've created in our lives, to not see our neighbor, to not see our family member, to not see our friends, to not see our, our co-workers, to not see this state, this nation, this world as worthy of your lo love. God, break those barriers in the name of Jesus. I pray instead that you will pour out in us your truth and your righteousness and your peace, Lord Jesus. Cover us in your grace and mercy so that we would feel the armor of God, not as a weight on our shoulders, but as a way to be confident and secure that no matter what we may face, nothing would separate us from the love of God because your son came to us. And as we begin to worship and praise, I pray that this would give us a glimpse of what a redeemed world would look like, that we don't have to think about the things that we see on social, social media and, and the news, things that we witness on Twitter feeds or comment sections, that we can be confident and confident and confident that your world would be redeemed and you would use us, humbled and broken servants, to be your hands and feet your eyes and ears, your ears to this world that desperately needs you, Lord. Help us to be that kind of church. 
And one day we know that we would see a world where everything is perfect in heaven, but we are not there yet. So we speak the name of Jesus tonight. We ask that we would be bold like a lion, courageous like the men and women that gave their life in the past for the proclamation of the gospel. And we would stand today on our soil that we stand in knowing that it is right for you to bear fruit, plant seeds, and grow hope in and through every single one of us. As we sing this song, I speak Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts, you would fill our eyes with the very people you've called us to speak the name of Jesus for. We stand in proxy and intercession for them tonight. In Jesus' name we all said, amen and amen.